0: Welcome to Resilient Revenue, a Women in Revenue podcast series designed to magnify the voices, victories, and valuable insights of trailblazing women in revenue-generating roles. Each episode will showcase stories of resilience, mentorship, and self-advocacy. You'll learn exactly how these remarkable women are breaking barriers, redefining success, and showing us the transformative power of unity within the tech industry. So join us as we embark on this enlightening journey toward equality and empowerment in the world of resilient revenue.
1: So welcome, everybody, to Women in Revenue's Resilient Revenue Podcast. I am your host, Heidi Therian, and today we are connecting with Lauren Magistro. Lauren is a leadership coach and the founder of Lauren Magistro Coaching and Consulting, Her mission is to empower women leaders to lead confidently, authentically, from the heart, and unlock their innate strengths and true potential. She also touches on topics such as imposter syndrome, people-pleasing, and emotional intelligence, which I really love all those topics. So (laughs) today, however, the topic of question or in question is work to live strategies for balance. So I would like to welcome Lauren. Hello. Awesome.
2: Thank you, Heidi. Thanks for welcoming me. I loved it was so nice to hear introduction. It's like rare that you hear people describing your own work. <laughs> so thank you for that. I'm excited to be here.
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to have you. So I did some research right to like come up with these questions and of course we have like core questions that we're going to touch on mm-hmm. but like specifically speaking to work to live strategies for balance I'm really excited to see your thoughts on balance and mentorship and and boundaries and and strategies on maintaining balance so mm-hmm. let's just dive right in firstly and just touch base on like making balance even a priority, right? Just because that has to be a thing first and foremost. So Lauren, in your career journey, when I looked, I was like, oh, this is very impressive. And you know, you have had diverse roles in revenue generation across all kinds of different technology sectors. And maintaining work-life balance can be challenging in demanding fields like this. Would you be able to share a pivotal moment in your career where you had to consistently prioritize your well-being while excelling in your revenue role, right? And then what was the experience? How did it shape you and balance in the long-term?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think balance and work and life and thinking about what does that really mean and how do we integrate all the parts of ourselves, our life and our work and make space for kind of all of those pieces is a big part of kind of my work now as a coach. But when I was in a leadership role prior to going into my coaching business, I was a VP of customer success for a software startup. And I was leading a team that was a global team with people in London, Paris, Singapore, New York, LA, and I'm based in San Francisco. So it was like a lot of traveling and a lot of just being available for calls in early morning or late night to cover kind of the whole globe. It was like, there's always somebody in the team that was working. So that was definitely a challenge to figure out how to balance that and prioritize my own time. So I think a pivotal moment for me was, it was probably like a year or so into my job at this company that I was at, Tubular Labs. And I I just felt like I was really getting to the end of my sort of feeling like I was burning out. Hmm. And I was traveling multiple times a month between kind of LA and New York and London and, you know, from San Francisco, (laughs) that's a pretty far, you know, fair way to go for a a four day trip or something like that. So I was just really exhausted and I felt like I wasn't really prioritizing things that matter to me in my life. Like I was single and looking to be dating and wanted to meet a partner. I had, you know, friends I wanted to keep up with and just my own personal like wellness and routines were really kind of going out the window. And at the time I was working with a coach and she actually helped me to realize that I was kind of putting a lot of this on myself and thinking that I should be in the offices at a, you know, high frequency or that I was basing my travel schedule around what I saw other kind of senior leaders and C suite executives in the business doing, kind of taking cues from them and just assuming that I had to do that too. Mm-hmm. And kind of what i thought people wanted and what i realized is like i hadn't really set any boundaries i was just like (laughs) doing what i thought i should do and um yeah realizing that was really powerful to creating some change so when i i sat down and just got really clear with like how often am i willing to be traveling and i decided that i could do like one week a month was doable so i just rotated through each of the three offices so i went to everyone once a quarter And if I had to do one extra trip or something, I was like, I can, you know, figure that out. But I didn't even need to tell anybody that I had set this boundary. It was really just myself. (laughs) And I think I'll see that. I see that a lot, I think, with women leaders who are kind of up and coming or just getting into those positions for the first time that you look around at whatever everyone else is doing and you think you just have to do what they are doing. And I think really getting clear with what matters to you is like step one. And then from there, I was able to kind of trade off like quantity of being there with quality because when I came then I was more energized I was more engaged and I had the capacity to like spend the time with my team to visit with our customers and like do it in a way that you know worked for me and was more sustainable so yeah I think after I did that I then tried to refocus on the things that energize me I think that's one thing I like to to think about still now and something I work on a lot with my clients too is is sort of re getting back in touch with those little things that bring you joy, that energize you, that feel restful and restorative and t- start to put those back into your day. So for me, I like signed up for a yoga retreat. I you know, really prioritized dating and made time for like passion projects. And even like, I think it was after that point that I was able to help co-found our women's ERG at the company, which was like extra work, but it was like really energizing and fun work. So I think it just made me realize that taking care of myself as the number one priority is just most important because without me, like I can't do anything. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I take this a lot into account now running my own business because that is is definitely something I keep learning over and over and over again. It's not (laughs) not like you've solved it and now it's just all better. Um, But yeah, you have to keep prioritizing that. Going off of that, though, like when you said that you
1: started showing up and it was more about the quality of the time that you spent there versus the mm-hmm. quantity based off of yeah. your initial observation and just kind of the assumption that you had to follow in what you saw or like maybe what you yeah. thought others' expectations were. Not that it mm-hmm. sounded like there was a conversation of set expectations. It was just like, as long as you get your job done kind of thing, right? right. But yeah. once you made that boundary and you really didn't have to tell anybody, but like, Did anybody even notice? Like, did anybody? Was there that fear there that, like, I'm going to set this boundary? I'm not going to tell anybody and, like, see if there's backlash? Like, what happened? Did anybody even notice? Yeah,
2: I mean, nothing happened. Nobody said anything. (laughs) I didn't really even notice, honestly, which is what made me realize, like, oh, I was creating a lot of this. Like, I was creating this pressure. And that was a theme, I think, when I got into this role, it was my first time being a director. And I felt like I put so much pressure on myself. I felt like, I mean, there was pressure from the business to perform. And like there was definitely a lot of eyes on my team. And I came in at a time where like the renewal rates were pretty low and we really needed to improve. And like the previous leader had been, you know, had been let go and coming in during some turbulence. So there was some definitely expectations. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I feel like I was just making it even more challenging for myself Mm -hmm. by like adding on more things that were probably like not like they weren't the most impactful ways I could have been spending time and just created excess kind of work.
1: And I love too that you started focusing on the quality versus the quantity. Mm -hmm. And with that, did you notice sort of an uptick in the in the renewals? Or what was the positive impact there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think like, it's hard to tie that directly to like the metrics in terms of renewals, but I definitely think it really helped with one of my big strengths as a leader has always been relationship building. And like mm. I think by spending more quality time with people where I could really, you know, I had leaders, all of the leaders that reported into me managed teams that were in different offices. So I was in San Francisco and they were in all these other offices. So getting to spend the quality time with them really helped me To pinpoint, you know, where they were doing really well, where they needed to focus more or double down. And I think building those relationships with the teams in the field offices helped me get a better pulse on like where we needed to change like as a global consistent theme, which then could help me like make better decisions with how we were refocusing like, you know, in our quarterly planning and things like that. So I guess, yeah, in it like in... Not exactly <laughs> directly, but indirectly, I think it definitely helped improve awesome. the performance.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this ties in or if there's something similar, but on on sort of the vein of challenges, if you will,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what is an experience where maybe you faced a significant challenge in a revenue generating role? What did you overcome it? And then what
2: did you learn from the experience? Yeah. Yeah, I think at kind of, you know, in this role, I came in as a director of customer success. And I think very early on the first two to three months, but definitely the first six months, I think I faced, I felt a lot of challenges, both from the business side and from like the personal side too. (laughs) I'm kind of thinking about how both of those came into play here as I was like thinking about this question is, on the business side, like I came in, the previous leader had been like fired and the renewal rates were below the targets that they should have been. And I felt like the founders, the CEO, the CRO, like everybody was like looking to me to like fix it. And I was like, Oh geez, this is like a oh, lot. That's a lot of our
1: eyes, you know?
2: Yeah. And at the same time, like my manager, who who I loved and was a big part of why I, I I took the job, like she was about to go on maternity leave, and so after the first month, she was gone, and I felt like I was on my own. And then that's when all <laughs> like the personal challenges, yeah. I think, oh, came God. up. Yeah, yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, that's when like the imposter syndrome came up, the like overworking, this like feeling that I have to hyper achieve, you know, and mm-hmm. feeling like it was all on me, and I felt like I was sort of taking. I would take everything kind of personally, I think, at the beginning there where the performance wasn't getting better. I would be like, oh, I failed. Or if, Mm. you know, people were asking me questions, it made me feel like I was doing something wrong. So I feel like I was like trying to make up for all of that by working harder. But I think what really changed some of the key things that helped me get out of that challenging time was... (laughs) I, I elevated the CS leaders in those market, in those field offices to be managers because at first yeah. I had a team of like 20 people or 15 people that I thought they were managers, but they were just sort of team leads. So I elevated mm-hmm. them, which helped me get a bit more focus instead of having to manage like all of these people. And then really just focus on like foundational processes. Like I think one of my superpowers is, has been in my And my career has been coming into startups that are in this growth phase where everything's breaking yeah, and really putting in new processes that are sort of foundational, but help to like tame the chaos. And so we like tiered all of our accounts. We added in like a support team. We created customer health scores, like a lot of these elements that would help us work smarter and like direct our resources in the best ways. Yeah. I focused on like relationship building, like how can I partner best with like the sales leaders, marketing team, like my counterparts in these other groups. Yeah. And like that also was the time where I hired a coach because I was like, wow, I feel like I need help now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So got kind of intentional with getting support. Yeah. And I think the learning here, like for like if I were to share or like sum it up for myself and to share with others listening is like Thinking about like your mindset, your self-care and your support are like critical, especially I think at these like career junctures where you're like up leveling into something new. Yeah. And I think also just now looking back at it, I'm like reminded that like, oh, I could figure these things out. Like I figured them out before. I'm smart. And like lean into your strengths, I think, in those challenging times and like mostly check yourself (laughs) because I was creating a lot of it. I think, for myself. Hmm.
1: You had mentioned that you had sort of uplifted the mm-hmm. team leads, the the so many team leads around you to be managers mm-hmm. and sort of like help out in that way, which like ultimately helped you to be able to do your role better, right? To like yep. have more of a touch point on like what's happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it like brought, it made me think of like that whole we rise by lifting others thing mm-hmm. and then brought me to mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so mentorship and guidance play a very crucial role in career growth. And so what I'm curious is if you have any stories about mentors or advocates who have significantly impacted your professional development and how did that support shape your trajectory and all of that? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of that fun... That fun thing of like you are able to get mentorship and then to give it and like I think kind of being able to see how it impacts you when you're able to have that mentorship and advocacy and guidance and then be able to like also give that to your team. Like I found that to be really fulfilling, which is how I ended up in coaching now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think a few definitely a few mentors like come to mind. I think I've had some some great mentors at my time Tubular Labs, there were a few people kind of the head of our people team was really influential. Our head of kind of product and marketing really helped me. Our CEO before I left, he also was like really influential, I think, especially in helping me move from my role as a VP of customer success into my coaching business. But I think the person who stands out the most probably was my CRO, Pat Williams. He was my direct manager when I was a director of customer success. And I think Through all the time periods that I just described, he was my manager. And I think it was my first time also reporting to, like, a C-suite executive. So I think also learning kind of, you know, you're not given as much, like, guidance or, like, one-on-one sort of direction of telling you what to do or how to do it. So that was, like, a challenge, I think, at first. But what I think he really helped me level up from, like, being more of a senior manager into, like, a director And I think some of the things he like brought that helped me most were like simplicity in your strategy. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, my head was spinning. I was like, had all these slides for our like QBR. And I was like trying to pull like all this data and all these things to be like, how are we going to improve things? And I think he just was like, he gave me this slide that was like a one slide. He's like, You should be able to fit your business strategy into this one slide. (laughs) It had like an example, and I took that and I was like, "Oh, it actually is really simple if you kind of like just really focus it." I think he was also just a really great listener. He like never told me what to do, which at the time was like kind of frustrating, (laughs) but I think he would really like listen, and we developed like a personal rapport where we would have one-on-ones and talk about lots of things and you know, not just about business. And I think that made me feel like supported and he like cared about me as a person. But yeah, I think just like helping me to focus on the core priorities. He also served really well as like a buffer. If I was really trying to focus on a few things with my team, you know, there'd be lots of ideas coming around. Like, you know, I think especially if you're in a founder led company, especially as a startup, like, The founders had lots of ideas, you know, and I he, Pat, really helped me stay focused on my OKRs and sort of like helping protect my time, which was valuable. Yeah, sort of helped me learn how to manage up. And then when it came to the point, like I continued to meet with him like outside of the business once he had left. And he was actually really helpful in helping me like make the commitment to actually go into my coaching business full time and like helping me make that decision and kind of encouraging me. So I think that was that's definitely one example, but yeah, I've had a lot of different different mentors I think who've helped me. Wow, to find a
1: really good mentor that listens mm-hmm. as their approach to helping you grow, because like we do honestly have to figure it out ourselves if we're really yeah. going to learn anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is always so refreshing to hear that. And what advice would you give to other women?
2: who Mm -hmm. might be seeking mentors yeah yeah I think like thinking about what you want support in like I actually had another mentor this guy Neil Patil he was our chief product and CMO product officer and CMO but when I was going from director to VP and I was like having trouble crossing that gap and I got feedback about my executive presence and Mm. he really mentored me on that specific topic. And he had suggested going and gathering market research. He's like, I'm a product marketer by trade, you know, by trade. He's like, I would set, set up a 30 minute meeting with every C suite executive and ask them like, how would you rate me on executive presence? One to five, ask them to define it for you. And then how do they define that? And then if you had one thing that would help me move up one number like what would you recommend I do so it really helped to shift like one I got a definition and realized everybody defines that very differently Mm -hmm. and two I got a sense of where I stood and I got a lot of ideas that I could then choose you know what did I want to implement but I say that as like a advice for others is like think about what specific thing you want help on like for me at that point that was what I wanted help on so I sought out him to help me with that Or think about where do you need encouragement? Like, where do you need a little bit of a push? Or, or like, what's really hard for you right now that you're challenged with? And then I think looking around you, like, you can look within your company, like at managers or other leaders within the business. You could look at, like, employee resource groups. You could look at, like, our Women's ERG, we started a mentor group. Looking at networking groups, like Women in Revenue has a mentorship. And then just looking at your larger network. Like, I think really for me, I would recommend looking at people who are a few steps ahead of you Hmm. of where you know you want to be. So if you're like, well, I'm a director of product marketing and I want to be a CMO, like look for somebody that's a CMO who maybe had a product marketing path that you can Hmm. kind of learn from. Or for me in my coaching business, I I work with a coach who is a sales coach and she has built up her business. She's like two years maybe ahead of where I want to be. So finding those people who are like a little bit ahead. And then I think just asking, being clear to ask them for their, their mentorship and help, like in the area you want it, I think is the key part. I think a lot of us are afraid to ask for help. And so don't forget that part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that last piece. (laughs) Yeah, we can want and
1: we can read and we can learn, you know, but we do have to ask and we have to Mm -hmm. implement. So Mm -hmm. for sure. On the other side of mentorship, but back on sort of like the balancing side, work life, you know, work Mm -hmm. to live. But on your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned that you have a passion, right, for empowering Mm -hmm. women in male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. And so it's understandable, like we understand the significance of mentorship in professional growth. And it can also be a commitment of both Mm -hmm. time and energy. So, how is it? like that you strike a balance between offering valuable mentorship and nurturing your own personal and professional needs?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think right now I feel like I'm in a position where I sort of merged the two together. Like my desire for mentorship and coaching now is like aligned with my professional needs. But I think like before I went full-time into coaching, I think like when I was working full-time think for me it goes back to like what energizes you and when I looked at the times when I was like leading our women's ERG group like sessions I was like facilitating and or like when I was having career development conversations with people on my team or mentorship conversations with other people on other teams like I always felt better after and more energized by them because it was exciting and I felt like I was like giving them something that was going to help them and that fulfilled me. So rather than being like energy draining, it was kind of refilling me, which actually I think helped me to like give more into the business side of it. I was there for five years and I was at a previous startup also for five years, which is like a marathon at a at yeah. a rapidly changing startup. Wow. Well, <laughs> so I think like these mentorship things actually helped me like stay longer and feel more engaged because I felt like I was getting that fulfillment. So I think checking in with yourself, like, why are you doing it? Is it something that is fulfilling? Like, if so, like, you know, maybe it isn't actually adding a lot more effort, but it is giving you something back. But I also think it's like the mentoring helped me in my professional goals as well. I think because I was viewed as a really strong leader. I was viewed as one of the best people managers in the business. And then when we went through a reorg, as a result, like, a whole new department was put under me and I took on like my team doubled in size. I had like 30 people. And then later on, I like was able to then position that into this VP promotion. So I don't think they have to be counterintuitive, but I think finding a way that it works for you and see, I mean, there's different ways you could mentor people and maybe some ways are more energizing and others are more draining. So kind of like following your what works for you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So finding things that are
1: energizing and sort of letting go of things that can tend to be draining or even checking mm-hmm. in with like, mm-hmm. am, why am I doing this? Does it fuel me? Yeah. <laughs> brings up an interesting topic that I feel flows right into our next question regarding boundaries for balance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so it's today it's fast paced. It's tell the world is technology driven. And it's common for work to spill over into personal time. It just is. Mm -hmm. It's just common. But as someone who has held leadership roles, how is it that you set boundaries to protect your personal life while also still being accessible and effective in your revenue-focused responsibilities?
2: Yeah, I think like I mentioned earlier, (laughs) at a certain point, I feel like I had no boundaries. So I definitely went (laughs) phases of realizing like, wait a minute, I need to take accountability for this. I have always had a few like really firm boundaries, though. Like I really will never work on the weekends, like in a very rare instance, like I might have to do something, but almost never. And I also always prioritize taking vacations and I never work on vacation either. I always log out of my email and I don't even bring my computer. I don't know where I got that, but I just (laughs) always done that. So sometimes I don't understand where people are like, well, I bring everything and I check in and I can't do that. I never feel I never feel rested when I come back. So that those have been very firm boundaries, that I think, helped me at least restore on the weekends and then. Taking the vacations, like either even just taking a day off here and there. Like I know during COVID and working from home, like my company in the past had implemented like once a month, we had like a Friday off or a half day Friday. Finding those little moments where you're feeling like I need it, like to take Mm -hmm. it, and then taking like longer vacations. But during the weekdays, I think some boundaries that helped me is just trying to not check my email or my Slack on my phone. I think the phone it's like it's always with you and then you're all feel like you're always attached to it and you feel like Mm -hmm. you have to always be on so I think like now I try to plug in my phone across the room so it's not right next to my bed (laughs) and then another thing that helped me kind of break the bad habit of checking it is like creating a a morning routine and actually use an app that's called routinery where you can like put in the things you want to do and how long it takes you to do each thing and like once you start your routine, it will prompt you. You'll be like, OK, time's up for teeth brushing. Time to move on to meditation. And so I find it's less it's like harder to catch myself getting distracted on Instagram or some other things. So that kind of putting that in place helped. And then, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like I like to think about the boundaries of the day. So that's like the morning. And then at the end, I think, especially with working from home, I tried to create sort of a ritual where I would like clean up my desk, like, you know, whatever papers or notebook or at the end of each day. Yeah. And then kind of close my laptop and sort of tidy it up so that, you know, it felt like the workday is over. I love that idea. And I'm going to do it. Wow. Yeah. I think having like something to bookend your day, you know, at the beginning and the end helps to contain the work, especially if you're working from home and your desk is like, my desk was like in my living room and, (laughs) you know, it it got harder with COVID. Yeah, a couple other things I think, like I mentioned I had a global team, so it was challenging to have people like in the UK, I had to get up early for calls and then sometimes I would have late calls with APAC. So feeling like I had to always be on. So I'd try to designate certain days that were like, I would be on in the morning but then do the later calls on other days so I didn't have Mm. always – being early and late was, like, more draining. So kind of choosing that and really just telling people, like, these are the days I can be available. And then you can kind of create your own schedule that way. And then, yeah, I think also, like, I am definitely, like, a recovering people pleaser. I used to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. and everyone. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I also just started to learn – The language of like how to negotiate, like if someone asks me for something, I don't have to say no, but I could say like, oh, I could do it next week. Or I would ask more questions, get more context. And or I would think like, well, what's the minimal amount I could give them, you know, but not have to do all of it. And that those kinds of things, I think, help to hold on to your time. And then one tool I really love that I use that I teach or I share with my clients now is like putting everything in your calendar. Like, that way, if somebody yeah. comes to you and asks you for something, you could be like, well, let me look at my calendar. Mm-hmm. And if it's full, you have an easier way to say no, no, push back, or or you can decide, consciously decide, like, if I say yes to this, I'm going to have to move something else yeah, out, or I'm going to have to work later. So, like, just mm. making it so that you have to be more active in those choices rather than just blindly, like just saying yes out of habit and then being like resentful when you're working late and like <laughs> missing fun things that you could be doing.
1: Life in general. Yeah. 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 Wow. What great like actionable takeaways and... Mm-hmm. So the routinery, I'm gonna check that out. I have a morning routine and I love, love the idea. Like you have your morning routine which gears you up for the day. And then you have sort of like your very intentional, like, I'm putting things away, I'm cleaning things up, like the closing of the laptop as like this
2: signal of like this is done. I, I think I can't wait to try that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a ritual, a little bit of a ritual. And then it's nice when you come in in the morning and you're like, oh, it's a clean and like, I'm organized. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Yesterday, good. me,
1: you know, like, yeah, exactly. you me. it's like, I'm me. It was great. just setting this up for my future self here. Exactly. Love you. You know? Yeah. Wow. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And this is my last question here. So like, We've established with balances, we've established like how to balance within mentorship and then boundaries for balance, but strategies. I feel like we've Mm -hmm. also touched on this like in the tools. So Mm -hmm. if if there are any repeats, that's fine. But you've you've excelled, right, in revenue generation across various like technology sectors, which undoubtedly involves navigating tight deadlines, high pressure situations, the whole thing. During intense work periods, how do you ensure that you stay grounded and maintain that sense of equilibrium? Like are there any specific strategies or
2: yeah, I have kind of a a thing that I've used that a coach in the past gave to me and I like to share with clients now is like this concept called like your minimum baseline Ooh. where You may have in normal times when it's calm and things are like just flowing, you have like your standard sort of operating procedures of your life. Maybe you like cook your dinners, you grocery shop, you, you know, like work out for an hour or something like you have these things that are like kind of built in. But then when things get stressful, we tend to go to all or nothing where we're like Mm. everything goes out the window. And instead, this tool is like, what's the minimum I want to do? to take care of myself like and I even where I have worked with clients in the past where I was like setting up Whole Foods orders so that or you know your grocery order so it's like your set items you need and you just click deliver and then it's like you have some stuff you know if if you can't get to the farmer's market or something that's your preference but like this week it's busy or you have people in town visiting and you're like not going to be able to go to the gym then it's like okay well at minimum I want to do a 20-minute walk but it's like Mm -hmm. defining it ahead of time like and being clear with yourself, like, I am now dropping into this mode, like, yeah. uh, like, and knowing that. So that's been like, really helpful. And then I think for me, I think it's just knowing what are the things that ground you. So for me, like, I went through yoga teacher training last year. And I oh. since then have made it a really big point to meditate for five to seven minutes, like every morning. So that is like, that's in my routinery app, you know, <laughs> brush my teeth. I do my five minute to seven minute meditation because it's just a really nice quiet moment to check in with myself. Mm -hmm. And usually I notice I have all these thoughts and it's a really good time to just sort of try to settle. And then I like to go for like a 15 minute walk at least, you know, ideally I could go for longer, but if I don't have the time, I'll just try to do something outside. Helps me to get like awake and energized. And then I think also just thinking about what are little breaks you can take in the day, like I know some people, you know, are feeling like they have to be on Slack and available all the time. If somebody sends a message and they're in the bathroom or eating lunch, then God forbid, like they have to wait a few minutes. But yeah, just finding little breaks, like, you know, I'll put on a song and like dance for five minutes or, you know, sing a song or like read for 10 minutes or something. And then I think when I was in my last like full-time role I feel like I was constantly on Zoom. It was like Zoom to Zoom to Zoom to Zoom, like for eight hours straight. Wow. And so I'd like to do like little walk and talks instead sometimes for one-on-ones. I'd be like, can we just do a phone call and let's both go for a walk mm-hmm. instead of like being in front of the computer. So those are some tips that I've had, you know, success with. Wow. If you were to say, let's do a call and do a walk,
1: especially if I was also used to going from Zoom to yeah. Zoom, I would be like, yes, Thank that God. sounds refreshing. <laughs> Thank you for saving me, you know? And I, yeah. it's so funny. Like, I feel like as people, we can tend to take life so seriously and almost too seriously at some point and overstress ourselves out or overwork ourselves, you know, for- yeah whatever reason we've come up with, you know? And yeah.
2: Well, I think a lot of us use like productivity as our measuring stick of success. And I think Mm -hmm. if you can start to like shift that to like, ask yourself, like, what does success look like for me today? Like maybe success today is like going for a walk, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Or, you know, I think just sort of thinking about that because yes, we all want to be productive. And I think we're all, A lot of us are like high achievers and we want growth opportunities. We want the next thing. But I think pausing to reflect also on like all that you have done and have achieved and like actually celebrating that really helps you put things in perspective as well, which is hard to do. This conversation couldn't have been any better.
1: (laughs) Just really I thank you so much for all of your insight in strategies for balance, and just being a part of this. I had such a blast getting to know you.
2: Yeah, it was really great to get to know you too. And I'm glad we got to have this conversation. I feel like that these things were challenging before COVID, but even more so now that things have blended more so with work and your home and your office. And there's less like structural boundaries. And so it's like up to us to create some of those. So yeah, I think creating the balance is hard, and yeah, but making it a priority will will make us all feel more fulfilled and energized. I think awesome. Well, thank you,
0: Lauren. Good, well, you're welcome. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of Resilient Revenue. These narratives are more than just personal triumphs; they embody the collective journey that we undertake as we strive for a future where every woman no matter her career stage, location, industry, or demographic profile, has the opportunity to excel in her chosen field. Women in Revenue exists because we know amazing things can happen when driven, talented, bottom line oriented women are fired up and collaborating to grow their careers and organizations. We invite you to join our amazing community of 7,000 plus members. If you'd like to become a member for free, head on over to womeninrevenue.org to join today. See you next time on Resilient Revenue.